way, showed or shared Christ, shared the gospel through this Old Testament chapter, and it was amazing. God showed up in a very real way at that at that funeral, and people were converted. People came to know Christ as a result of it. And so this that's kind of seared in my mind when I think about this chapter as well. Um, in, in other dark days along along the way of life. Psalm 23 has shown up as a comfort, uh, as, a, as, a, as a, a truth in, into my life. And I'm sure if you had the opportunity to sit up here and share, you would probably give some sort of testimony like that as well. That in some real way, God has used uh, Psalm 23 to speak into your life during difficult times. The reason here at Wellspring, and, and, and myself in particular, talk so much about dark days, two reasons why. Number one is... Uh, Overall, I've lived a pretty easy life, if I'm being quite honest. And and most of the time, when I'm I'm talking about dark days that are going to show up, I'm preaching to myself, first and foremost. I mean, I know dark days are coming. I know that there's going to be a day, the the phone is going to ring, and my life is going to be different. Completely and totally different from that point forward. And I want to be ready. I mean, I, I I want to be grounded in the truth of God's Word. I want to know it. And I don't just want to know it uh, in my head, but I want to know it in my heart. So when the phone rings and life is turned upside down, I am rooted, I am grounded in something greater than myself. And so we, we talk about that regularly. And I know every single one of you, if it hasn't already happened, the day is coming. And I want you as well to be grounded. When the, the sands begin to shift, we are rooted deeper than that on the day of difficulty, because the truth is, rare is the person that goes through this entire life that does not have great tragedy, great difficulty. Rare is the person that marries a the uh, marries somebody and they have no problems. There's no rough roads. There's no choppy water, or they're not married and they love that. Rare is the person that grow, that that raises kids, or maybe even one kid, and they don't go off the rails and, and, and they just break your heart. Rare is the person that lives late into life, and has complete possession of their mind, and they just, you know, in the middle of the night, uh, sink off or, or float off, whatever the word you want to use, into eternity. Rare is that person. And probably that person doesn't even exist. I'm just leaving the, the, the opportunity open just in case they do. I've never come across the person that lives well into their, late into their years, whole Strong, God just takes them home in the middle of the night. To be quite honest, if he wants to start with me, I'd be good for that. But but the truth is, it's probably not going to happen. And so when that day comes, I want us, I want the people that call Wellspring Church home, I want you to be rooted deep in God's word and God's truth, knowing that he is at work in your life, through your life, molding you into the image of his son. And he's not absent. So we continue kind of beating that drum this morning in Psalm 23. So if you have a Bible, so start in verse 1. Here we go. It says a psalm of David. He's the one that wrote it. He's the psalmist. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I love this. It doesn't say that the Lord is the shepherd, although he is the shepherd. It doesn't say the Lord is a shepherd. It says... The Lord is my shepherd. I, I love that. This morning, if you know Christ, this is a truth 
in your life. The Lord is your shepherd. He is the one who looks over you as a shepherd does. A shepherd looks over his sheep. He knows his sheep. He protects his sheep. He leads his sheep to, to, to uh, green pastures. He provides for his sheep. He watches over his sheep. He loves his sheep. He has dedicated his life. A good shepherd has dedicated his life to his sheep. And this morning, you know Christ on the authority of his word. He is your shepherd. And we can thank him for it. He is watching over you. He is caring for you. He is leading you to green pastures. He is protecting you from the enemy. He is your shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not be in want. Because you have a shepherd. Because you have a good shepherd. A shepherd that watches over you. That, that takes care of you. That meets your needs. He's your provider. Provides sustenance. Provides provides uh, a nutrition. Provides safety. Provides all of those things. You shall not be in want. He continues. Next verse. Maybe. Sorry. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me. I was about to start quoting it. I have to start back at the beginning. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. This makes me laugh every time I read it. It says, basically, you can lie down in green pastures or you can be made to lie down in green pastures. And I know for most of you it means made. All right? I'm just being truthful. He makes us. He's going to lead us to green pastures. We are too obstinate. We are too uh, self-centered. We are too arrogant sometimes to lie down in the green pastures. And so our good shepherd, who takes care of us, comes alongside and he says, Scott, you obstinate, self-centered sheep, lay down. And that's exactly what he does. He makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. And that's a picture of peace. He provides us peace. He leads us to peace. He is the source of our peace. He leads us beside still waters. He restores our soul. Next verse. This morning, it's a dark day in your life. There's difficulty. Your soul is hurting. Your soul is broken. Your soul longs for the shepherd. That is the only place where your soul can be restored. It can be molded by the potter's hand. Back to health. This morning your soul hurts. You can find restoration in the good, in your good shepherd. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The Bible tells us that he does all of those things. He leads us. He guides us. He makes us lie down. He is the good shepherd. And the reason for all of that is not because you deserve it, not because I deserve it, not because we're good, not because we're, we're great, not because we have this great intellect, not because we're, we're talented beyond belief. He does all of those things for the sake of his name. The Bible reminds us over and over and over and over again that everything he does. Everything the Father does 
Everything that God does, the ultimate purpose is for the sake of his name. The Father, God, is passionate, passionate about his name. Ultimately, God is for God. His ultimate desire is to make his name great, to make his name famous. He is ultimately for himself. He is not for us. His, his overarching, uh, the overarching drive of, uh, of everything he does is for the sake of his own name. Now, you may, you may be sitting in your seat going, wait, wait, I'm not sure I'm buying that, Scott. I mean, after all, I've been told time and time again how he loves me. He, he died for me when I was on the cross. Or when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. I mean, all of those things I've been told time and time and time again. I am the point of the story. And as nicely as I can tell you, you are not. I am not the point of anything. The Father leads us beside still waters. He restores our soul. He leads us. He guides us. He provides us peace. And it's ultimately for the sake of His name. You still not believe in me. I've got to give you some more evidence. So, let me give you some examples where God shows us that everything He does is for the sake of His name. He is ultimately for Himself. And then I want to tell you why that's good. Isaiah 43, God created us for his glory, it says. Isaiah 49 tells us that God called Israel for his glory. Psalm 106, he rescued Israel from Egypt. Not because they were good, not because they deserved it, not because they obeyed every time he told them, but he did it for his glory. 2 Samuel 7, God gave victory to Israel in Canaan for the glory of his name. 1 Samuel 12, he did not cast away his people for the glory of his name. Ezekiel 36, God restored Israel from exile for the glory of his name. John 7, 18, Jesus sought the glory of his Father in everything that he did. 1 Peter 2, 12, he, uh, we are to do good works, not for good works' sake, not because the church demands it. We're to do it for the glory of his name. John 14, Jesus said that he answers Prayer so that God may be glorified. John 12, John 17. He endured, the, he endured the final hours of suffering for the glory of his Father's name. Never in any of those circumstances are we the point. And that is just a sample. Over and over and over again, God shows up on the scene for the glory of his name. We are not the point. God is passionate for his name. He is passionate for his glory. <laughs> and the reason is this. If, if we substitute the creator for the created, for something that he has created, we commit idolatry according to God's word. And the same is true for God himself. If he is passionate, if he, is, if he desires anything more in the sake of his name, he is committing idolatry, and he cannot do it. He is passionate about his name because he knows he deserves it. He knows that he's worthy of it. And he alone can get the glory. 
He alone deserves that glory. Now, the pushback initially is this. Well, that sounds like a pretty egocentric God. I mean, come on now. He's passionate about his own name. And on one level, yes, it, it, it is true. But it's not only just true, but it's also good. And let me tell you two reasons why. Number one is this. If you are not the point, if God is ultimately the point, then we can go through this life not worried about wrongs that are being committed to us. We can walk through this life without worrying about the difficulties that we will definitely face. If somebody cuts me off in, the tra in traffic, that's okay because I'm not the point anyway. He is the point. It's the sake of his name. If a, if a person treats me poorly, that's okay. I was never the point in anyway. I was never the center of this universe anyway. The sake of his name was the center of the universe. That's the only point. I get put on JV. That's okay. I was never the point anyway. So you can walk through this life, and when difficulties show up, when you're when you're when you're treated like a servant, when you're when you're disrespected, it is okay because we were never the point anyway. It's okay. And then whenever good things happen, when we get the job that we wanted, when we're promoted beyond what we ever dreamed, it's okay as well. We don't have to look at ourselves in a self-centered way. We don't have to get. Uh, we don't have to be personally uh, thinking more of ourselves than we should because you were never the point anyway. You were given the gifts that you were given for the sake of his name. And so when you're given the job that you never thought you would have, you were promoted, you make more money than you ever thought you would have. You can be generous with that because you weren't the point. That job wasn't the point. The sake of his name is always, from the beginning to the end, the point of the story. That's the first good thing. When we're disrespected or when things go well, we can, we can walk in a, in, in a way that we are not the point of the story. It was never about us anyway. We can be disrespected with grace. We can be promoted with grace. We can be talked about poorly, and we can face that with grace. We can make more money than we've ever made or we ever thought we would make, and we can do that with grace because we were never the point anyway. The second Thing, the second point that's really good about this, and I wrote this down because I want to make sure I say it right. The question is, is this, is this a good thing? And I would respond, absolutely yes. And here's why. Here's what the text back in Psalm 23 is telling us. God has bound up the glory of his name, the honor of his name. He has bound that up with faithfully providing for you in the midst of difficulty. He provides for you because the sake of his name depends on it. He provides for you because he, he leads you towards peace because the sake of his name depends on it. Because the sake of his name is the point of the story. I, I went on to write, when you walk through difficulty, he's going to show himself as the provider. When, when, uh, when, you, when you walk through difficulty, he's going to show himself as your peace every step of the way. When, when you walk through difficulty, he's going to show himself as your righteousness every step of the way. When God, or God is going to show himself strong on your behalf because you are one of his, because the sake of his name depends on it. He is bound up. The sake of his name would be your shepherd if you know Christ this morning. 
So we benefit. Even though we're not the point of the story, we benefit because the sake of his name depends on it. Even when he's the point of the story, he brings along an obstinate, sin-filled person like me to bless for the sake of his name. And when I walk through difficulty, I know that he is there as my good shepherd. And he does it for the sake of his name. That is great, great news. We can be disrespected. We can be glorified. We can be poor. We can be rich. And it does not matter because we're not the point of the story anyway. Our good shepherd is the point of the story. And he's tied his goodness. He has tied his, the sake of his name. To providing, or he's, he's tied all of that up to providing for us, being there for us, showing up for us, being present for us, and that is good news. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's for his name's sake. Next verse. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? How can I face the valley of the shadow of death and not be fearful? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. When you get to verse 4 right here, there's a shift in the chapter. So far he's been talking about God. He's been talking about God. He's been, he's been saying, he leads me, he guides me, he makes me. But when we get to verse 4, when the, the difficulty hits for the psalmist, when he's walking through the valley of the shadow of death, and he says it as a certainty, he doesn't say if you do. He says, when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm going to be with you. When he gets to the valley of the shadow of death, there's a shift. He is no longer talking about God. He's no longer talking about the shepherd. Now he is talking to the shepherd. And doesn't that make sense? I mean, when times are good, when the grass is green and grace is evident, it's easy to talk about God. I mean, that's what we want to do. We want to, we want to proclaim his name, make his name famous, thank him for what he's done. And we want to share that with everybody we come in contact with. God has been faithful. The grass is green. Grace is evident today. So we talk, we proclaim God. We talk about it to people. But when the valley of the shadow of death hits, when difficulty strikes and the days are long and dark, that is when we talk directly to Him. I'll never forget, we were sitting in the hospital with Grace and he had, had two collapsed lungs and the doctor came and talked to me. Mary Jo was sleeping at the time. I didn't want to wake her up, and the doctor came, and he said, Buddy, you know, it is not good. This little boy is, 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 is he's, he's not doing well at all. All right? There's, we're going to give it a little bit of time, and, and God healed him supernaturally, but at the time, we didn't know. 
He said, he said you know, he, your, your little boy is not doing well at all. We're going to give him a little bit of time, but then we're going to have to take some pretty drastic measures. And while he was telling me that, I'll never forget, it was in the hallway uh, of, 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 of uh, the hospital there in Austin, Texas. And I held it together while the doctor was there. But when he walked away, tears began to stream down my face. I mean, I was a brand new dad for the very first time. Tears began to stream down my face. And I, I didn't talk about God to anybody. I talked directly to him. I said, Father, I need you. And I didn't use these words, but it's like a song. It's, it's in the, the valley of the shadow of death. I need your rod. I need your staff. I need your provision. I need your protection. I need it now. I wasn't talking about God to anybody. I was talking directly to my Heavenly Father. God, I need you to show up. And I need you to show up in a very real way. I need your love. I need to feel your love. I need to feel your peace. I need to feel your protection. I need to feel your provision. I want to know that you're here. I'm in the valley, God. I want to know you. I need you. And I need you alone. And that's exactly what the psalmist does. The grass is green and grace is evident. He talks about God. But it's in the valley of the shadow of death that he talks to. He goes on. Next verse. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup. Overflows. I love the picture that's going on here. It says that the, your enemy is, is creeping at your door. Difficulty is at the doorstep. Pain is near. And when that happens, when I'm in my own strength, I'm doing one of two things. I'm fighting or I'm running. And we all know that I'm not a very good fighter, so most of the time I'm running. But in the presence of my shepherd, my good shepherd. He sets up a feast and invites me to the table. It's as if the enemy has no power. And he invites me in and he says, look, I know the enemy is near. I know difficulty is near. I know it's creeping up on you, but I invite you to, my, to a feast and a feast put on by the king of all kings, the lord of all lords. And look at the result of the feast. It says that your cup overflows. You come to the feast and he anoints you with oil. He provides for you. He gives to you. And he keeps giving until your cup overflows. Man, what a God we serve. He closes it out. Next verse. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. King David says, if I could have one request, he said, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord. And I don't just want to show up for coffee in a, in a fireside conversation. I don't just want to chat. In fact, I don't even want to come and I want to and hang out there as a, as a guest for a, a few days. That's not good enough. If I can have one request, the psalmist says, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want to, I want to dwell there. I want to hang out there. I want to be with him. I want, to, I want to talk to him. I want to hear from him. I want to dwell in the house of the Lord. And I don't want it to ever 
end. I want to stay there and hang out there forever and ever and ever. And we know that that's exactly what happened when a better David showed up. A few years later, Jesus came on the scene and he provided us the way to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So this morning, just in the quietness of your own heart here, just a second, I'm going to invite you to close your eyes. And some of you right now, the pasture is green. I mean, things are going well. Work is good. Family's good. Kids are good. They're on the rails. They're staying on the rails. And you just, in the quietness of your own, own heart, I want you to thank God for it. God, I thank you. You are, you are, I see your evidence in my life right now in a very tangible way. Some of you, you're in the valley of the shadow of death. I know it. I've had conversations with you. And right now, in the quietness of your own heart, I want to invite you, just like the psalmist, say, God, right now I need your protection. I need your rod and your staff. I need your comfort. I need, I need to know that you're here. I mean, the, you know what's going on in my life, and I just need you. Just like I did in the the hallway of that hospital so many years ago, seven years ago. So I'm going to invite you, if you'll close your eyes, and I don't know where you are right now. Maybe it's a, maybe you don't even know where you are. You're, God, I don't, I don't know. There's, I'm, I'm anxious about something. I don't really know what it is. I don't know what that looks like. And so, Invite you just in the quietness of your own heart. God, I need you to protect my kids. I need you to protect my I need a hedge of protection over my home. I, I don't know what it is. But God, I need you to show up. And Father, I my, my prayer is this. Not because I deserve it, but for the sake of your name. I want to come alongside the writers of the scriptures under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit when they wrote down, this was done for the sake of your name. Father, I want you to show up. Not because I'm the point, but for the sake of your name. Father, there's people here right now. Things are good. We rejoice with them. We thank you for every gift that has been given to them. Lord, there's other people there in the valley of the shadow of death. And Lord, I pray that your rod and your staff would be of it. Lord, your comfort and your peace would show up in a real way even today. It's for the sake of your name that we pray.